Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here on this Friday. I'm Josh Raymond. And I want to remind you, I mentioned this yesterday as well, but all next week during this hour, uh, The Inner Life won't be heard because we are going to be bringing you a special presentation. Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, he has a Holy Week mission that will be airing through the weekdays. It's entitled Close to Jesus to the Last, The Passion of Christ in Five Parts. And I really do hope that you uh, plan to tune in every day during this hour here, the 11 o'clock central hour, to listen to that as Father Rocky, uh, he'll give you a lot to just kind of reflect on, to contemplate as we walk together with Jesus throughout Holy Week. And if you can't catch it every day in this hour, you can also hear it air again in the evening at 6 p.m. central. Uh, But I really encourage you, set aside that hour each day next week to listen to Father Rocky's Holy Week mission. Well, so today here, uh, we're getting close to Holy Week, right? But uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a meal, a meal that feels a little bit out of place, regardless of how good the food might be? The food might be excellent, but it seems like you're eating it at the wrong time, in the wrong season. A couple of weeks ago, we had that experience at our house. And back in late November, when there were these, you know, the, all the turkeys, that abundance of turkeys that are being sold prior to Thanksgiving, and because they're on sale, well, we bought an extra one, and we put it in the freezer, and it just stayed there until we pulled it out and ended up roasting it in late March. And we made a number of the regular kind of Thanksgiving side dishes that go along with it. We made mashed potatoes and gravy, stuffing, had some green bean casserole, all those different things. We didn't have pumpkin pie since it was Lent, still is Lent, and our family gave up desserts for the Lenten season. But the rest of the meal, it had that, uh, that Thanksgiving feel to it, just at the wrong time of year. Now, my sister and I, we both enjoy Thanksgiving as one of our all-time favorite holidays each year, primarily because it's a time to gather with family, but it doesn't have any of the stress of trying to find presents for people. It's just time with family and good food. But with any holiday, you know, there's that typical anticipation. Christmas, you know, that's a big one when you're a kid, hard to fall asleep on Christmas Eve. But even with Thanksgiving, I think there's that anticipation. And I, for me, it's right before the meal because you come in and you start to pray. And if you're, if you're like our family, you know, there's that delicious food that's been, it's laid out on the table. You gather around, you sit in your places, you've been smelling it cook in the kitchen all day. Uh, but then 
Our family, we take a little extra time when we pray before eating that Thanksgiving dinner. We will go around the table and share the things that we're all thankful for individually. Everyone has that opportunity to speak individually before we join together for that final meal before the prayer. And you'll have to humor me on this, but I kind of think that's what Holy Week can be like for us. Because, you know, that food that's cooking in the kitchen, well, ever since Ash Wednesday, we've been kind of in the kitchen smelling those smells. We've been looking ahead towards Easter. And now we're almost there. So kind of like Thanksgiving, it's almost as if we're bringing out the last few dishes from the kitchen, putting them on the table. We're getting ready to sit down together and enjoy the feast that's coming up. But before we celebrate, we're going to spend some time in prayer. And this time that we spend in prayer, it's going to go a little longer, go a little deeper. You know, this Sunday, it's Palm Sunday, and we're going to spend more time reading not just one, but two portions from the Gospels. And then we begin the the Triduum on Thursday. It continues into Good Friday and Holy Saturday. So we've got these times where we can pray and pray in maybe a a longer fashion than we're used to most other weeks through the year as we prepare for that celebration, that feast of Easter, the resurrection. Well, today we want to take some time to look at how we can make this a really special week as we journey with Jesus from Palm Sunday to his Last Supper. We witness his arrest and the betrayal of Jesus, his suffering, his crucifixion. So throughout all of this week, how can we get the most out of what is coming up on each day throughout Holy Week. And also, I'd like to invite you to call in and share how you've been able to make Holy Week just uh, maybe a, a more truly special and Holy Week. What are those things? Maybe it's you on your own that you do them. Maybe it's something you've done as a family to make Holy Week stand out. Uh, maybe there was one week a few years ago that you just remember, for whatever reason, this one really stood out. We'd love to hear from you as we all gear up together for Holy Week. And our number here is 888-914-9149, And our spiritual director joining us today, Father James Kabicki, is back with us once again, a regular voice that you hear each day on Relevant Radio with his prayer reflections. He's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in Western South Dakota. Father James Kabicki, I'm so glad to have you back here today. Well, thank you. Uh, I am so glad to be with you too, Josh, as we are on the verge of Holy Week, the holiest week of the year that leads up to the holiest days of the year, the Easter Triduum. So it's so great to be talking about that with you and and helping ourselves and our listeners to prepare to celebrate this Holy Week uh, in a deeper way this year. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's let's start with Palm Sunday. That's the first thing we've got uh, coming up here this weekend for Holy Week. And outside of the Vigil Mass for Easter, this might be the longest Mass that we end up attending all year. Um, and we can talk about some of the specifics, but maybe before we go into you know what we'll encounter there, is there anything that you might recommend that can help us prepare? before we walk into our parish, before we walk into the church on Sunday, things that can help us participate in a more full manner there for that Palm Sunday liturgy? Well, one thing that I always recommend to people is um, making the liturgy of the Word part of our preparation for the Mass, because so often, especially with a long reading as we will get on Sunday, 
the long reading of the Passion according to St. Luke, um, you know, there's a tendency for us to uh, space out. The, the beauty of it in many parishes is that the Passion is presented in such a way that it's not just read to us or proclaimed, but we actually participate in it. Right. So we'll follow along uh, probably in our missalettes and um, engage in some of the parts of, of the Passion. It's almost like a Passion play. But again, I, I think it would be good as as we approach this Holy Week to um, look at the readings that we are going to have this Sunday, in particular the Gospel, and uh, perhaps to read it together as a family and to um, anticipate, um, as we will do all week, we'll be anticipating Good Friday and, and to do that with uh, Palm Sunday. And then, um, you know, um, we'll be receiving the the palms and in many cases i find uh people come out almost like for ash wednesday people come out uh to receive something a little extra on palm sunday and to receive those palms um and what we might do to prepare to receive the new palms is to take any palms that we have in the house and uh many churches again what they do is they invite people to bring those palms with them on Palm Sunday or during Holy Week, and then those palms are often burned, and the ashes are used for the next year's Ash Wednesday. So maybe to clear out any palms that we currently have in the house and uh, prepare for the new set of palms. Well, the other thing that might be good to talk about here, too, is there is such—we go from that entrance with the palms— uh, we process into the sanctuary. We've heard, um, you know, whether it's in the gathering area or a narthex or something in the different parishes, we hear that opening reading from the Gospel of Luke as we as we go this Sunday, and there's this rejoicing. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Uh, you know, the other ones. Uh, we get the word Hosanna you know, that we, mm-hmm. we sing out. And we're going to go in, and there's this big procession, and everybody's, you know, kind of in this <laughs> upbeat mode. And then within, what, probably 10 to 15 minutes, all of a sudden we're going to have that long passion reading. And it changes such, I, I mean, the emotions that we kind of experience on Palm Sunday. We go from exuberant joy <laughs> to, uh, you know, wow, this is such a heavy moment here. And we're watching the God-man, Jesus, who is being killed here. And we're, like you say, if we participate in that, are we the ones who are saying, crucify him, crucify him? Such a, a dynamic range of emotions that we feel on Palm Sunday. Well, you nailed it there, Josh. It, it's really true. And, you know, uh, many people, I think, wonder, oh, if I were there, you know, I, I would have been with the crowd rejoicing, and I wouldn't have been there on Good Friday with the crowd calling for his crucifixion. And yet, you know, we we have to be humble enough to look at ourselves. And, you know, this, too, would be a good week for us to consider uh, taking advantage of the sacrament of reconciliation if we have not already. And and just to look at how faithful we are or how faithful we have been, um, because it's easy to point a finger at the people of Jesus' time and to say, how could the, tur- how could the crowd have turned so quickly on him? And yet, when we look at ourselves, we realize, you know, when everything's going well, 
uh, and in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones, uh, um, there's there's a tendency to get complacent and and to think, oh, we're always going to be on this mountaintop of of transfiguration or of joy of of walking with Jesus, calling Hosanna in the highest. Uh, but then when when we hit some depths in our lives or challenges or a loved one takes sick and uh, has cancer or whatever it is, our, our tendency at that point is to turn on God and to say, where are you, God? Why aren't you here? And And so, you know, as we look at that range of emotions, as you put it, Josh, it's a good time for us to reflect uh, how faithful am I? Um, yeah, it's easy to be faithful when things are going well, and and but when things don't turn out the way we plan that they should, or hope that they should, or think that they should, then it's so easy for us to um, turn on God uh, and and to uh, slip into self pity or a lack of trust or even an anger at God. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what we see when we look at the readings, the two gospel readings that we'll have on Palm Sunday. Uh, and we can really apply that to our own lives, I think. Talking with Father James Kabicki here and inviting your phone calls on the Inner Life today, 888-914-9149. Looking ahead to Holy Week, how we can really get the most out of Holy Week, how we can prepare ourselves and enter into that time of prayer, walk along with Jesus. What are some of the things that you've done in past years that have helped you to really embrace and experience Holy Week, maybe in a, a more profound way than you had before, something that helps you to enter into the passion, the suffering of Christ. Maybe you have a question about Holy Week, and you're welcome to call in with that too, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we want to talk about all the different aspects of the days through next week as we prepare for this. But um, Palm Sunday, before we walk away from Palm Sunday, when we leave the church, is there anything that you might recommend that we do um, as we exit our parish, as we go back to our homes, as we kind of get back into a normal routine? Because for most of us, we're just going to have the rest of you know Sunday afternoon. It's probably going to be free. We're going to be back at work on Monday, even though it's leading up, like you said, to that holiest time of the year, that holiest season. How do we maybe carry with us what we've experienced on Palm Sunday into the rest of that week? Well, one thing that I I think is very important, you know, the readings that we have throughout the week uh, really are good preparations and to um, spend a little time either individually or as a family before dinner uh, or if if the family has a hard time getting together for a meal to, to find some time uh, later in the evening, whatever it may be, but as a family to read that gospel of each day and and to just share a little bit about that. Um, I approach the gospels from um, the Ignatian method of prayer, which is to try to imagine what's going on in that particular scene, to be a fly on the wall or one of the characters, and uh, because they truly are beautiful, where um, Mary comes and and w- washes the feet of Jesus. Um, with oil, and she's criticized by Judas, and then we have Judas about to be 
betray Jesus and going to the religious authorities to uh, plan the betrayal. And um, all of there's kind of a, a growing a sense of uh, impending, let's say, doom, which is actually our salvation. Uh, the doom of the cross leads to our salvation. But but there's this growing uh, preparation for the Last Supper, Holy uh, Good Friday, and, and then the quiet of Holy Saturday. And so I think spending a little more time in prayer, and especially with the gospel readings of the day, uh, can be a, a very concrete way of taking what we have celebrated on Palm Sunday uh, into the entire week. Great recommendations. Again, talking with Father James Kabicki today here on The Inner Life and inviting your phone calls as we discuss Holy Week, walking into Palm Sunday, coming up this Sunday, and looking ahead towards the Triduum, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. Uh, trying to prepare ourselves as best as we can here, and you can call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll continue our conversation. Uh, talk about uh, maybe Spy Wednesday. That might be a good place to pick up here coming up next right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today's show brought to you in part by Sony Pictures production, Father Stew. This biopic shares the conversion and ordination of Stuart Long in movie theaters nationwide on April 13th. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the day. Father James Kabicki, regular voice that you hear on Relevant Radio every day with his prayer reflections. He's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. And today we're talking about Holy Week. What are ways that we can prepare ourselves for Holy Week and throughout next week we can experience it maybe in a more profound, a deeper way. And we'd love to hear how that has happened in your life. What are ways that you've been able to uh, observe some of the different traditions, maybe uh, some prayers that you've incorporated into your routine during Holy Week that have helped you to really enter into the passion, the suffering of Christ leading up to his crucifixion? And you can call in at 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, as we continue talking here, um, maybe one thing before we move away too far from Palm Sunday. A couple things. First of all, the palms themselves, uh, you have those, you walk away with them. They're blessed, and Mm -hmm. with blessed items, we shouldn't just throw them in the garbage once we get home. What's the proper way, if, if for whatever reason we don't hold on to them, proper way to dispose of the palms that Mm -hmm. have been given to us on Palm Sunday? Well, as I I mentioned before, Josh, uh, often people will keep them throughout the year and put them behind a crucifix. Or um, I know different uh, traditions. My mother used to uh, curl the leaves and then hold them with a pin, and, and so they had um, uh, they were, had a little bit of a design, and I know people weave them into cross designs and other things, and and that that's a wonderful tradition to uh, spend Palm Sunday afternoon doing that with the palms, and then uh, putting them behind holy pictures and crucifixes. 
But if we are not going to save them, um, again, uh, they're often used to uh, create the ashes for next uh, year's Lent. But if if we don't plan on returning them to the church and we don't plan on um, on using them, we take last year's palms, replace them with this year's palms. I think the proper way is either to, to burn them um, or to bury them. Um, certainly not to throw them in the garbage because they are a sacramental. Uh, they have been blessed. And so the best uh, way... Uh, to um, dispose of them, as it were, would be to either uh, burn them or to uh, bury them somewhere. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that, Father. So before the break, we talked about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Holy Week. Spend some time especially reading through the gospel passages that we have for Mass each day and be able to enter into that timeline of events that's happening leading up to Holy Thursday. Before we talk about Holy Thursday, though, Wednesday of Holy Week, sometimes referred to as Spy Wednesday. Uh, Can you give us some background on this? Okay. Well, the reason it's called Spy Wednesday is that um, for for a long, long time, the gospel that is used on uh, the Wednesday of Holy Week is uh, it's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, and it's a scene in which Judas Iscariot goes to the chief priests and, and asks, you know, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? And uh, they, uh, the chief priests, the religious authorities, uh, offer him 30 pieces of silver. And then we have the Passover, this uh, anticipation of the Passover. We have uh, a Last Supper account. Uh, on Thursday, uh, the Lord's Supper evening Mass, um, we will go through that more thoroughly. But we get a taste of it on Spy Wednesday when Jesus is at table with the Twelve, and um, he predicts, one of you will betray me. And Judas uh, says, surely it's not I, Rabbi. Um, so um, it's referred to as Spy Wednesday because uh, Judas is seen as the spy. He's the one of the twelve who uh, spies on Jesus, finds an opportunity to betray Jesus, and um, goes to the religious authorities to do that. He sells Jesus out. And, you know, it's interesting, in some places, uh, in very Catholic cultures in the past, um, this day w- was often... Um, people would really enact, uh, uh, let's say, uh, hatred toward Judas, that they would hang in him in effigy or burn uh, uh, an effigy of him. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, it's uh, maybe a way that people would vent their, their anger, but it, we have to be very careful with things like that because, you know, Jesus uh, did not uh, condemn um, Judas. He never says to Judas at the time of the betrayal, um, you know, you, you're, you are, are condemned. Um, he always hopes for, for Judas's um, repentance. And, uh, and so for us to, to engage in acts of hatred like that, you know, um, I think it's, it's really a way, again, that we point the other finger and should realize that, that we ourselves, in many ways, uh, betray Jesus whenever we sin or um, 
I'll give you a, a, a simple example. You know, people use the name of the Lord in vain, and every time we say that name of Jesus as uh, uh, an act of surprise or uh, in a in a form of cursing or coarse language, basically we're betraying Jesus because his name represents him. So um, I I think if we do not show respect for the name of Jesus. Um, Jesus himself, basically, we ourselves are acting like Judas, betraying him, betraying mm-hmm. our faith. Well, and the day before, on Tuesday, so you're talking about the reading that we encounter on Wednesday of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, we also have where Simon Peter, he says, you know, where are you going, Master? And he says, why can I not follow you? I'll, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus responds, will you lay down your life for me? I tell you, the cock will not crow before you deny me three times. So we've got the prediction of the denial of Peter, and we have the prediction of the betrayal of Judas, both there on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, Kind of going along with what you're saying with, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain, are there times where we betray Christ? I think also we could ask ourselves, are there times where we deny Christ? And, you know, there's... um, I think it's St. Paul who writes to Timothy and says, you know, if we deny Christ, he will deny us. Um, Mm -hmm. So we we have to be very, very cautious there that am I always ready and willing to identify as being a follower of Christ, or do I get a little nervous when people start pushing me? Wait, wait, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have to be we have to be ready uh, to to identify as a Christian. And if there there are those times, not only maybe where we're betraying Christ by our our actions, are we also denying Christ by our thoughts and our actions? That's a good point, Josh. And and especially in our world today, where uh, more and more Christians are being um, ostracized or or pushed to the side uh, marginalized you know they're, 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 to to say i'm a christian uh in our very secularized and polarized world of the united states today many people will immediately uh label you as a fanatic or as uh someone who um uh, is is anti whatever and we are are not anti anything we are for uh life and for things and if that means that some people see us as as being uh unfriendly or uh not being uh tolerant or whatever um you know we can tend to go into a shell or or be afraid to really um, tell people that, you know, I am a Christian and this is what I believe and this is why I believe it in, to engage in dialogue. Um, so I, I think that's the important thing is that we be open to dialoguing with people um, who might um, be opposed to us because we are followers of Jesus. Well, Father Kabicki is here with us on The Inner Life today as we're talking about Holy Week. What has made Holy Week special for you in years past? Maybe uh, there was a time where you participated in some way that really brought Holy Week to life for you, helped you dive into that week in a stronger way. 
Um, maybe you have some questions about Holy Week, and you can call in at 888-914-9149, Father, Holy Thursday, as we start to look toward the Triduum here, Holy Thursday also called Monday Thursday. What's the significance of that name? Um, you know, I, you've got me there, Josh. I, All right. Maybe you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I know I've seen this before, but I have forgotten what exactly uh, that refers to. I, I, I think it has something to do with the fact that we're beginning the, the three-day uh, period um, of, of the Triduum, but uh, offhand, I'd have to look that up. Well, and that's, I was just, if for some reason, I want to say it's something dealing with um, the fact that it's also the betrayal, the, the, but yes, it does start off the triduum there. Um, let's also talk, though, about the two different masses that are celebrated typically on Holy Thursday. Yesterday, we spent actually a good amount of the hour talking about the Chrism Mass, so we don't need to go into great detail here. But there is the Chrism Mass, which is distinct and different from the evening Mass that we all celebrate um, if we participate in the Triduum there on Holy Thursday evening. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the, the in many cases, so for example, out here in, in western South Dakota, the Rapid City Diocese, um, we're actually going to have the Chrism Mass on Monday. And uh, part of it is because the they want to have um, as many priests of the diocese uh, present for the Chrism Mass, and where the oils are blessed, the three different oils that we use uh, in the church are blessed, and it's it's also a time when uh, priests will uh, renew their um, ordination promises. Um, and being in a very um, widespread rural diocese, it's not easy for people, uh, for priests to travel uh, to such a mass on Thursday morning. Um, but Thursday morning is traditionally the time when there's a chrism mass. Um, and then in the evening, we have the Mass of the Lord's Supper, where we hear the, the great gospel from um, John chapter 13, about Jesus uh, washing the feet of the apostles and saying, I have given you an example, and this is uh, a new commandment. And uh, uh, while you were talking, uh, Josh, this is the beauty of Internet, I was able to look up Maundy Thursday, and uh, according to what I found here on the Internet, it said that um, it actually comes from a Middle English derivation from the Latin hymn that is sung in many churches on uh, Thursday, Holy Thursday, and it refers to the mandatum. Mandatum is a commandment. Mandatum novum do vobis. I give you a new commandment. And that comes right out of the gospel that we'll have at the uh, um, celebration of the Lord's Supper in the evening. So it, it's an, an old English, Middle English derivation of, of this Latin hymn referring to the commandment that Jesus gives us. So it's that commandment to um, love one another, even to the point of doing the most humble tasks for one another, like washing feet. Well, and so, yeah, that, that's great. A new commandment I give unto you, love one another as I have loved you. The washing of the feet. So we, we observe that there at uh, the Mass on Holy Thursday. 
There's also, this is the institution of the Eucharist and the institution of the priesthood that we see celebrated here during this Mass as well. Yes, that's traditionally, again, that on on the feast or the uh, celebration of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, we remember those two things. Um, Jesus celebrating the Last Supper, the new Passover with his apostles, and basically we see that as the origin of the priesthood. And then we also see it as the origin of the Eucharist, because Jesus takes bread and says, this is my body, this is my blood. Those are the words that we repeat at every Mass, and the priest says those words, obviously not referring to himself, but acting, as we uh, say in Latin, in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, so that it's Christ who is working through his um, through the successors of the apostles, the bishops, and the presbyters, the priests, who uh, are assistants to the bishops, who help the bishops. And, um, and it's through those words, then, that Jesus continues to come to us and to make present to us um, the greatest act of love the world has ever known and to share with us his own self, his body and blood. So it's, it's a beautiful um, celebration. And when we celebrate... Uh, the Holy Thursday evening Mass, we don't wear purple or violet. We wear white, and uh, during uh, we light the candles and we um, sing the Gloria uh, because it's it's a moment of of joy right before the tragedy of Good Friday. But it's a moment of joy as we remember with gratitude uh, Jesus instituting both the priesthood and the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. Well, and when we leave Mass that evening, we exit in silence. There's not a recessional hymn. There's not the normal end of Mass that happens. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I believe it's because it is considered to continue into the Good Friday service that we can then join together in the next day. So there's that silence when we leave Mass. Is that accurate? That's right. And actually... um the the most of the traditions and and these have been some of the I'd say most powerful moments for me is um, what the priest does the, the the altar is stripped but what the priest does is takes the consecrated hosts the blessed sacrament and in procession and usually the beautiful hymn Pange Lingua is sung and the priest leads uh, uh, with our Lord and the people follow so there is a procession out of the church or to uh, another part of the church where there is an altar set up. It's called the altar of repose. And it's, it's a reminder of how Jesus was arrested and taken away from um, the apostles and led to prison. And so this altar of repose is, it, in a sense, it's almost like, uh, I think of uh, the, one of my favorite uh, experiences of this was when I was a Jesuit scholastic in St. Louis, and I remember that um, we went from our house chapel and created uh, another little chapel on another floor of the large building, and uh, we would take turns through the night visiting our Lord present there. And I just remember what a powerful experience it was for me to visit our Lord in this other place, remembering how he was in prison and keeping him company, as it were, while he was in prison. And so that's a lot of the symbolism that we have on on Holy Thursday that invites us to 
um, engage this, not just thinking about it, but to actually process and to pray in a way that we're there with Jesus. Another thing uh, that I've heard is a tradition is the practice of visiting different churches on the evening of Holy Thursday, uh, going uh, to, if you can, seven different parishes, visiting our Lord in the Eucharist. Uh, Are you familiar with that, Father? Well, I know there are the station churches that they have in Rome, and, um, and that's where the number seven comes in. I'm not so familiar with that in um, in cities like where I grew up, Milwaukee. But it it it, it makes sense either you know that before w- we leave the celebration of the Lord's Supper, that we spend a little time uh, there in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and usually uh, churches are open for an hour or so. Some churches will have the church open all night. And that's where it, it sounds like a beautiful tradition, Josh, to um, then go to another parish where uh, our Lord is in the altar of repose and to uh, visit him there as well. Um, it's it's a great way to in- increase our devotion to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament and to show our gratitude for him and also to keep him company in that time between his arrest and uh uh, his, uh, the way of the cross and the crucifixion on Friday. Talking with Father James Kabicki here today on The Inner Life, looking ahead toward Holy Week, how we can prepare ourselves to get the most out of Holy Week, especially as we then move into those last three days, the Triduum. And what has helped you to have that exceptional experience there during Holy Week, maybe during Holy Thursday or Good Friday? maybe going to the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday. Uh, maybe you have some questions about Holy Week, how you can prepare. You can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email us, relevantradio.com and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As today we look ahead towards Holy Week, how we can prepare ourselves, how we can experience the most out of Holy Week. One way that I would encourage you to uh, make Holy Week special is tune in during this hour, Monday through Friday of next week. Father Rocky, he's our CEO, our executive director here at Relevant Radio. He has a Holy Week mission that's called Close to Jesus to the Last, the Passion of Christ in Five Parts. And you'll be able to hear those five different installments of that Holy Week mission during this hour next week, Monday through Friday. Uh, If you can't tune in every day, Uh, during this hour, the 11 Central hour, well, then you can also hear it replay in the evening at 6 p.m. Central. But I hope you make the time for that. Set aside that hour each day to listen to Father Rocky and that Holy Week mission. And again, if you would like to call in here and join the program today as we talk with Father James Kabicki about Holy Week, 888-914-9149 is the number you can call, 888-914-9149. Father, as we spent a lot of time talking about Holy Thursday, let's look at Good Friday. We come into the church, and again, there's silence as we enter, 
and begin the liturgy. This is also the one day out of the year where Mass is not celebrated. Though one could say Holy Saturday, um, because the Easter Vigil is celebrated after sunset, uh, Saturday is also sure, a day sure. where we don't have uh, the celebration of the Mass. But you're right, we, it's a very solemn day, and so um, the priest or deacon enters in silence and prostrates himself, and everyone kneels at the same time. And so it begins in silence and then an opening prayer before it goes right into the readings. Um, so it's a very somber uh, celebration that includes um, the veneration, uh, well, the reading of the Passion, and then a series of, of ancient petitions, the intercessions, the prayers of the faithful, praying for um, different groups of people, um, and and then it, it leads into the veneration of the cross, uh, and then Holy Communion. And the Communion is, is um, the Holy Eucharist that was um, consecrated the day before. Um, so the idea is that when, um, hope, um, this, this is a beautiful symbolism, that um, all of the Eucharist is consumed so that the tabernacle door is open and the tabernacle is empty after the celebration, with the idea that Jesus... Uh, has uh, died and um, and has left us, and so there's this sense of emptiness that he is gone. And um, communion is kept in some cases in a um, a side chapel or a tabernacle uh, uh, in the uh, sacristy in order to be available if someone is dying and needs to receive the last rites and viaticum. But um, the tabernacle in the in the church is is left empty, the door open to symbolize Jesus uh, having died and gone uh, away from us. And uh, so there, there's a number of different ways that, you know, uh, the symbolism of Good Friday celebration really, again, gets very visceral. It, it really uh, is meant to touch us on a deeper level. Um, there are other traditions, I know, where people will have the Stations of the Cross, um, and in some cases there will be Stations of the Cross outside in, in different towns. Uh, where I live on the Rosebud Reservation, there had been, before COVID, a tradition of people walking from one place to another in um, uh, one of the towns on the reservation. Uh, and different, it was an ecumenical service where different um, ministers and, and the priest would offer reflections at each of the, the different stations. Um, and then there's uh, often, um, I know this was uh, at Creighton University in Omaha at St. John's Church, they have a tradition of uh, reflections on the seven last words of Jesus. And so over the course of, of uh, I think, three hours, um, there would be uh, some solemn music, uh, time of silence, uh, some prayers, and then um, different priests or deacons or lay people, because um, in this case it's it's not a homily in the um, in in as part of the mass, and so it's open to lay preachers as well. They would offer reflections on those seven last words of Jesus that we find when we combine all four gospels and look at the passion narratives. 
As you're talking about the seven last words of Christ, let's talk about that in a little more detail and maybe some recommendations there if somebody doesn't have the opportunity to maybe go to hear somebody reflect on those. But also, you know, one thought that came to my mind too here is a lot of us on Good Friday, we're just going to have maybe a normal work day. You know, maybe we'll try and get out and attend one of those Good Friday liturgies. But is there any recommendation that you might have if we're able to go to Mass on the evening of Holy Thursday, but then we're back into our normal routine on Good Friday, um, how we can kind of continue from Holy Thursday into Good Friday, that observance of the Triduum? I, one, one natural way, the Church asks us to fast, that might be good to talk about here too, that Good Friday, one of two days during the year that the Church asks us to fast. Uh, any other ways that we can continue from Holy Thursday into Good Friday if we're in our normal daily routine? Well, um, certainly with the, the liturgy, in, in many cases, churches will celebrate the, the Good Friday liturgy either at noon or 3 p.m., the hour that Jesus traditionally died on the cross. But um, many churches, in order to accommodate people who have, not, um, who have been at work during the day, will have the service later in the afternoon or evening, 5.30, or even at 7 o'clock in the evening. And, and that's most appropriate to allow... Um, all of the faithful who want to participate in that celebration to be able to do so. And uh, then afterwards, I think because, again, you know, the the altar, which had been um, dressed, as it were, there would be a corporal or, or even the altar cloth placed on the altar right before communion is distributed as part of that service, the altar is again stripped and left bare, the tabernacle is bare, um, and people depart. And again, I, I think to try to enact that in our own lives, that when the people left the hill of the crucifixion, Calvary, uh, what did they do? You know, they, they probably went to their own homes in great sorrow and grief. And so when we leave the celebration of, of the um, passion and death of our Lord on Good Friday, it doesn't make sense to immediately go home and turn on the TV and start watching uh, television, unless we're watching something like The Passion of the Christ or listening to some um, holy music, um, things that would keep us, again, in that uh, attitude, that somber attitude of, of Jesus having just offered his life on the cross for us, having just died. We don't want to immediately go back to our daily routine yeah. and uh, entertainment. I think it's it's very important to maintain uh, the sense of solemnity and prayer that um, we should also try to maintain through Holy Saturday leading up to Easter Sunday. So um, I, I do think um, maybe, again, praying the Stations of the Cross, watching the Passion of the Christ, to uh, continue to savor that gift of that Jesus has given us in his suffering and death on the cross, what we call his Passion. You mentioned just a moment ago, too, about those seven last words of Christ. If somebody isn't able to attend, you know, somebody giving reflections on those, do you have any favorite uh, written reflections on the seven last words? I've, re I've read uh, a number of different versions that 
the Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen has written. You also mm-hmm. talked about The Passion of the Christ. There are other movies on the life of Christ. One that I really like with watching with our, our younger kids is called, I think it's called The Miracle Maker. It's a uh, stop-motion kind of claymation version of The Life of Christ, which has been really good. A- any other mm-hmm. recommendations you like during that time there that might be appropriate for Good Friday or Holy Saturday? Yeah, I, I know one could find all, I think, all kinds of reflections on the seven last words of Jesus. One of my favorite books is uh, by um, John Newhouse. Um, he was a Lutheran pastor who became uh, Catholic and was ordained a priest. And I think the title of his book is A Death, Death on a Friday. And um, it it is a wonderful reflection on the passion of Jesus and uh, what he did and what it what is the meaning of that for ourselves. Um, so um, it's um, um, John Newhouse is is the name of the um, the author. He's now deceased, and he's the the founder of um, a magazine called First Things. Father Richard John Newhouse. Okay, I, I was going to say, yeah, the, huh. the name was very familiar to me there. Um, yeah, and I am familiar with that one as well. Uh, Father, we're getting toward the end of the hour here. Uh, I'd like to give you maybe a, just a little extra time for the final blessing, just mm-hmm. because uh, I, I'd like you to ask that the Holy Spirit guide all of us as we enter into Holy Week here. So we've got uh, over a minute to give okay. you here for this final blessing. Well, you know, looking at those seven last words of Jesus, the one that Mother Teresa really latched onto, and if you go to any of the communities of, of Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity, you will see on a wall where there's a crucifix the words, I thirst for you. Uh, she added those words, for you. I thirst for you. And so I think as we enter into um, Holy Week, to keep those words in particular in mind, that Jesus died for us, and so he's thirsting for our love. So let us pray. Lord Jesus, we know, we believe that you died on the cross to save the world, and there is not one single person in the world for whom you have not died. It is though you would rather have died than to ever live with any of uh, ever live without any of us. And so we ask you, Jesus, that in a, in a way this coming week we may be more personally involved in the celebrations, that we may always keep in mind that what we are celebrating is not that you died simply for the whole world, but for each one of us individually. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. You are Lord forever and ever.